It's Sports Day Plus with Trey Elling. Coming up on episode number 73 of Sports Day Plus. At 6.15, it is the first of a three-segment chat with comedian Donnell Rawlings, whose new stand-up special, titled A New Day, is out on Netflix today. And a mere seconds, Longhorn Hoops is on the road for another tough game tonight. And what is the Longhorns' biggest question heading into spring football in a few weeks? ESPN.com has some thoughts on that, and so do I. I am your host, Trey Elling. You can give me a follow on Twitter, at Courtesy Wave, and do the same for ESPN Austin at 1027 ESPN. Well, Rodney Terry and his Longhorn men's basketball team need a very short memory as they are back in action tonight with another tough road contest. Of course, everybody knows by now, at least those of you who follow the Texas men's basketball team, that they got curb stomped by a top 10 Kansas team in Lawrence over the weekend. 86-67 was that final game. Sadly, probably not even that close. They had a 20-point lead, did the Jayhawks, at halftime. And Texas was able to keep pace, I guess, the rest of the way. But the game was always in hand for the Jayhawks. Well, another tough one awaits in Lubbock tonight as the Longhorns travel to currently unranked Texas Tech team to face the Red Raiders one more time in conference regular season play. That is an 8 o'clock tip-off on ESPN. And this is a Texas Tech team that did beat the Longhorns Earlier in conference play, the very first game of conference play for both teams. That game in Austin was won by the Red Raiders going away, even though it was closer down the stretch. The final was 78-67. to Longhorns look to avenge that loss, and unfortunately they are not going to catch much of a break as it concerns the hostility of the home crowd. This is commonplace for, I'm guessing, every Texas team for the rest of the athletics calendar year, certainly in the major sports, the footballs, the basketballs, the baseballs, the softballs, depending on the other softball team, and it may be at peak hate in Lubbock, specific to the men's basketball team, an animosity that already existed to a degree, an amplified, I don't know, 10x, 100x, I don't know how to quantify that altogether, But the hatred runs deep in Lubbock towards the Longhorns ever since Texas stole Chris Beard away. And both teams had a rough go with that next coach. Both Chris Beard and Mark Adams met a very early demise for their respective programs. But the hatred is still there. And this is Tech fans' last chance to really root against the Longhorns in football or basketball And we've seen the ugliest element of that on the basketball side of things. So uh, what you felt in Lawrence to a degree, what you felt in Norman to a lesser degree at BYU, yeah, it's going to be at peak hate here in Lubbock tonight, starting with that 8 o'clock tip-off. And while Tech has been a little bit up and down over the last few weeks, overall they've still been really good in Lubbock this year. Beat Kansas by nearly 30 points just a couple of weeks ago in Lubbock. And with the Longhorns track record going up against decent competition on the road this year, and there are a few exceptions, Oklahoma, 
TCU and Fort Worth. For the most part, Texas on the road against good teams has not fared well. The most recent example is obviously that Kansas game on Saturday, but you go back a previous week for an ugly loss to Houston or earlier in the year. That loss at Marquette, shock a smart coach team. Marquette a good squad, and they ran Texas out of the building. That was a no contest pretty early in the second half. So maybe they can change that fortune tonight. But I think I speak for a lot of Longhorn fans when I say that I just have a hard time investing emotional capital in this basketball team. Unfortunately for the sport itself, it does not do itself a whole lot of favors with how low the quality of play has sunk over the last 10 to 15 to 20 years. Problem only more pronounced thanks to the transfer portal and even more player movement that has fans scrambling to learn, I don't know, two-thirds to three-fourths of a roster in a given season because there are so many new faces. But this Texas basketball team, while it has likable guys, hasn't gelled in a way that lends itself to be a lovable bunch. Last year's team, look, I know they made it to the Elite Eight. It was a fun team to root for all season long. And yeah, they had some serious successes to go along with it, as well as just a crazy off-court story that had nothing to do with any of the players and more to do with the since-fired head coach that could have sent the season on a tailspin. But a group of likable guys who clearly loved playing together made sure that didn't happen and in the process advanced further than any Texas basketball team in more than 15 years and making it to the Elite Eight and being very close to a trip to the Final Four. This Texas basketball team does not have that. And so, do I want them to win tonight? Absolutely. You have two more road games left at Tech and then next Monday at Baylor. You win one of those two, you feel much better about Texas' chances making it to the dance in March. They lose those games, assuming they beat both Oklahoma State and Oklahoma in Austin. They still have a pretty good shot, but they may also need to make some noise in the Big 12 tournament. Winning, they're not going to end up playing on day one. But winning two games probably after that to ensure a spot in that field of 68. You can go a long ways in punching that ticket with a win in Lubbock tonight. I just don't have faith in this team pulling it off. They've elevated under pressure at times, but on the road, we've seen them wilt more than step up to that challenge. I expect to see a better effort out of Dylan DeSue, than what we saw in Lawrence. Finishing in single digits and points and foul trouble at that. Max Acemas seems to have gone cold for darn near near a month now. I know it's closer to two or three weeks, but it has stretched a while. And this is a team that has been desperate for a third score, for your second score to have gone as ice cold as Max Acemas has over the last several weeks really hurts the bottom line. That bottom line being making it to the NCAA tournament here in just a few weeks versus having to settle on that consolation prize of the NIT. I don't want to speak to, or I don't want to speak for all Longhorn fans again. I've already done that once this segment, but I'm going to speak for a lot of Longhorn fans when I say, if we get the NIT opportunity, I get it. It's a consolation prize, but it's bonus basketball. I'd like us to pass on that altogether. We have higher expectations here. 
We don't need any more fiascos like that year where Shaka Smart took a lame duck Texas team at the NIT, won it all, and then they proclaimed themselves national champions after the fact. Let's just avoid that scenario altogether by saying, you know what? We're going to sit this one out. We weren't good enough to play postseason basketball, so we're not going to accept this everyone gets a trophy prize. Thanks, but no thanks. Yeah, it might mean an extra game or two at the Moody Center. The Mood, as some call it. I think the Moo is better suited. Our mascot is a steer, after all. But we're going to go ahead and pass on that NIT bid. Hopefully it doesn't come to that. Like I said, I would love to see Texas beat Tech in Lubbock. Send those Red Raider fans home miserable one more time in regular season Big 12 men's basketball play. I'm just not sure they can get it done. I'm less certain about that happening in Waco, so considering that they need to win one of those two games, the better opportunity is right now. And then you feel good about an Oklahoma State team coming to town this weekend that is the worst in the conference. And then one more matchup with OU in the regular season in men's college basketball, that final game of the regular season before the Big 12 tournament does get going. All right, that is it for the sports talk portion of today's show because coming up next and over the course of the next three segments, it is a replay of my conversation with stand-up comedian Donnell Rawlings. Donnell was in town earlier this year headlining at Joe Rogan's Comedy Mothership. His new stand-up special that we talked about back then is out today on Netflix. It's called A New Day. We talk about that stand-up and a whole lot more coming up on the other side. It's Sports Day Plus with Trey Ellie. It's Sports Day Plus with Trey Ellie. Donnell Rawlings is a longtime stand-up comedian who can be found online at DonnellRawlings.com. You can check out his tour dates, find out more about him, uh, click to some of his stand-up specials, and also check out his podcast, The Donnell Rawlings Show. His newest stand-up special is out as of today on Netflix. It's called A New Day. And Donnell has been working on this material for several months now. As a matter of fact, he headlined Joe Rogan's Comedy Mothership early this year. Well, late in 2023, I had the pleasure of speaking with Donnell about coming to Austin, but also shooting his stand-up special. So I thought now would be a good time to bring back that conversation, let you hear from the man himself on the release date of that new stand-up special, A New Day on Netflix. Donnell, thank you so much for the time. How you doing today? I don't think that we should start this interview like this. I'm doing fine. The question is, how are you doing? I am very embarrassed right now because I am 26 minutes late to this conversation, and you were nice enough to uh, to give me some of your time, and here I am keeping you waiting this entire time. Uh, I am sorry. Oh, 20 Most minutes, and then see, from my culture, we call that CP time. If you don't know what the acronym is, go to urbandictionary.com and you'll find it out. And it doesn't mean what you think. Obviously, it means Caucasian people time is not the same time as a professional like myself is. And I will listen to your apology, but just like in council culture, I won't accept your apology. And we can move forward. (laughs) (laughs) I want you to say sorry, but it's not going to mean a damn thing. That's what I want to say. Well, I'm sorry, and, and I'm canceled, unfortunately. You know, you're you're a guy who is uh, who is willing to take a lot of chances when it comes to your comedy. You and I have spoken previously 
about this. Uh, Gosh, we spoke during the height of cancel culture, but you still uh, refuse to uh, go about things in any way other than the way that you know how to make people laugh. Uh, what is the closest somebody has come to to getting you to rethink how you're doing something in the name of comedy because they're they're so upset with how you phrased it? Um, not not a time. You know, like I will say I just did a Netflix special and it was one word in particular that I used that I knew that they were probably cut out, but they wouldn't they didn't understand that I was trying to make a point on how we get very sensitive about certain words and don't have that same sensitivity toward the other word. But the word I wanted to use, I they was just like, okay, we get all of that, but you can't use it. I won't say what it was. And I realized I I I realized with that. With whatever rules that people try to give you, like I'm not like just trying to be a, a habitual line stepper in the words of Dave, Sh- I mean, in the words of Charlie Murphy, RIP. But sometimes I realize what battle do I want to have? You know what I'm saying? Do I want to pick this little fight or can I change a little bit and and still have a platform that people can hear what I want to say and I can make people laugh the way I want? I also said that I think when we have spoken about this, we were at the, probably the highest point of cancer culture. And the reason why cancer culture could breathe and it could come to this point is because the media only wanted to focus on a minority, a small percentage. My good friend Dave Chappelle, his special, The Closer, right? If you take 100 people and you say, what do you think about that special, right? You might have three people that were upset 97 people that enjoyed it, but the only focus we give is 3%. Now, the shift is coming now is people's, people are getting bored with it. People are telling council culture to beat it. If you don't want to be in this line, step aside so I can get my ticket. Well, often, you know, and that's crazy. Yeah, and oftentimes, too, and I can say this because I actually saw him perform that special when you guys were doing shows at Stubbs. At the start of COVID and you were hilarious and Rogan was hilarious and Chappelle was obviously hilarious too. How he ended that special was a love letter to the friend that, uh, that he was talking about. See, This is, this is the point. The point that I'm making is that that is not the story that's going to get clickbait. That's not the story they're going to talk about. And then that's why people always say, why are you taking it so personal when people say that your buddy's transforming that thing? Because I know he's not. I know the human that he is. I don't know him just from working with him. I know him as one of my dearest, closest friends and a brother. So when you speak against that, when you speak against someone's character, and I know it's all false, I got to say something. You know what I mean? That dude doesn't have hate in his body or anything. And what people understand with that story was that in in a in a business where a trans, not, not too many people are accepting to certain things. We've, we are evolving the way we think. In a business where if you were a transgender comic, you were shunned upon some point. You weren't invited to the table with the real ones or whatever. And for him to put all that aside and say, I respect this man or woman. I don't want to get caught up in that, however you want to be. It. I respect him as being a stand-up comic and somebody that's passionate about business. And that's where he showed the love. And that's where we should show, especially as a comedian, we need to show, we show the love like this. Man, I don't care what you identify with. I don't care what your pronoun is. I don't care what your adjectives are. What I care about is, are you funny? Are you funny with breasts? Are you funny with a penis? Are you funny with both of them? Are you funny? And that's how a comic gauges a relationship with another comic. 
I respect you on you standing fat foot on that stage and entertaining this audience and making them laugh. And then especially the time that we're in right now, Dave said something to me a couple years ago and it was doing some controversial stuff. He said, Donnell, it is our job as comedians to make the world laugh in some of the most troubling testing times. Don't take that away from us. That's right. The stage is one of the last bastions, but people are so easily offended in modern times. Even if cancel culture has kind of gone away, like I still see those sensitivities with my kids who are nine and seven yeah. right now. I just had this conversation with them at the dinner table the other night because one of them was complaining or whining because uh, one of their friends at school was trash talking them. And I'm like, well, did you whine yeah. about it to them? And they're like, well, yeah, kind of. I'm like, well, rather than whine about it, realize that that is actually your friend and you can give it back to them as good or better than they gave it to you to begin with. And until we can start steering I, people more in that direction, uh, I, I don't know uh, how much of a chance we have as a culture. But these kids are so sensitive. My, my son was having a meltdown the other day because his cousin blocked him. On Twitter? And it was on text message. Oh No, wait a minute. He's been blocked or wrote. My son, he, he was like, I'm like, what's wrong? He said, Bryce blocked me. I was like, you've been blocked before? Yeah, he said, but that was on Roblox. He blocked me on a text message, daddy, right? And I'm like, you got to get stronger than that. Like, I, I know I'm old school, but I remember my mom telling me somewhere, if somebody bully you or whatever, she would tell me, you pick up something and you hit them with it. I know that this logic of parenting right now is so, so old school. But I had an incident where this guy was bullying me, and I know this is wrong. I saw a Coca-Cola bottle. I popped that joint like I was in a movie. And guess <laughs> what? That dude broke out, and I never, ever had a problem with him, with him again. That's right. You show some toughness in the moment. But here's the other issue. How old is your son, by the way? He's eight. Eight. Okay, so you're, you're right in the wheelhouse that I am right now. Yeah. Our kids... Guys, I'm going to sound like an old person here. Our kids have it so much easier than we did. You almost have to seek out challenges for them. You have to find ways to make their lives more difficult than it would be otherwise. Because otherwise, they're just staying completely right. soft with things. But you know what? The same conversation you have now, 40 years from now, when these kids have kids, they're going to say the exact same thing. You know? So I just think it's a it's a timing thing and it's a it's a it's a, a, a era. You know, I will say that as a kid, we were probably more explorative and more um, adventurous when it came to having fun and doing stuff. Like if you want to punish a kid now, tell them to go outside and play. They'll have a nervous breakdown. You know what I mean? Or just cut the Wi-Fi off. They'll be like, you're you're I'm going to have childhood trauma because of this, dad. But, you know, we got to give it to them the way we got it. That's right. But if you can teach them to uh, to be somewhat present to uh, sit there and be willing to engage in conversation or just look around and, let's be honest, kind of be bored at times. Boredom is what uh, begets a lot of creativity. If you can uh, teach them to be okay with being bored, they'll eventually figure it out for themselves. But I think also, too, is you that they have to know what the option is. Some parents, they don't give them any other option. It's a, it's a tool for taking care of your kids. It's so easy. I need 30 minutes. Hey, go to YouTube. But I noticed in the case of my son, because he splits his time in L.A. and Ohio, when he's out in Ohio with me and he's in the backyard, when we're in the woods, we have no other choice. When we're riding down the Mad River 
on a kayak. I just I, I give them other options. There's no way we're going to get away from our kids being raised by phones and iPads. And if we do, then we're curving the way they learn. It's just as much as you want to say that's a phone, it's a computer. So they're getting their information from that computer. And also those laptops and those, they're creating uh, jobs that, did, that, that, that didn't exist years ago. To say that there is something and you could build a career off of being an influencer, it's just a crazy thought for me 20 years ago. But, you know, as things evolve, different skill sets and everything. So it's, you just got to find a, a nice balance between both. Yeah, you're right about that. Because to completely demonize technology, it'll have the Sarah, pa- Sarah Palin effect from uh, however many years ago where she, you know, she talks about the only uh, safe birth control is abstinence and then her 16-year-old daughter ends up getting pregnant. Like if you try and demonize something, inevitably your kids will uh, will go the opposite direction of you. So it's about trying to teach it responsibility. It's like with anything else in life that uh, you, you teach yeah. a level of moderation and then eventually they're able to make that decision on their own and hopefully they uh, they abide as such. But, but they're also going to have to learn mistakes along the way too. Man, you got to be, the only way you know flame is hot is when you first touch it. When I was growing up and I used to be in the back of my dad's cars, they had the cigarette lighters and everything. The only way I was going to stop playing with that thing until I burnt my tip of my finger. And I was like, oh, that's hot. <laughs> you know? Sad as it is to think about, it is also true. Sometimes you have to go through that experience to properly learn the lesson, no matter who is trying to tell you that to begin with. He is stand-up comedian Donnell Rawlings. His new stand-up special is out on Netflix as of today. It is called A New Day, and you should check it out. Coming up, segment two of three with Donnell on the other side. It's Sports Day Plus with Trey Elling. Sports Day Plus with Trey Ellen. Back with stand-up comedian Donnell Rawlings. He can be found online at DonnellRawlings.com. You can follow him through social media there. Also get to his podcast, The Donnell Rawlings Show, which is available on YouTube. You can watch some of his stand-up specials through that website, but his newest stand-up special, it is called A New Day. Actually came out today on Netflix. That can only be found currently on Netflix. And Donnell and I spent part of our conversation talking about him reaching a certain... reaching a new level of enlightenment through recording that show several months back. But Donnell, as you and I talk at the end of 2023, you are on the verge of headlining at Joe Rogan's Comedy Mothership. Have you performed a spot there yet? Physically, I haven't. Okay. But mentally, and the reason why I say this, that um, Rogan moved out there during the pandemic, right? And he had a blueprint of how to change the format or the structure of Hollywood. It's like, wait a minute. I've been Hollywood. I can create Hollywood wherever I want to go. And that's one thing I always commend Joe Rogan about. As successful he, as he was, as a businessman and everything, that dude is a comedian comedian. I mean, multi-million dollar deals. But in, in L.A., I would still see him in the belly room. I'll see him in these small clubs. I see him working out. So no matter what you think of his comedy or whatever, oh, I like him more as a podcaster. Well, at least you got options. But I know that... He's one of the hardest working guys out there. And when he left California, Hollywood, and had an idea of opening up a club, and the people, the team that he's working with over there, I was like, he's definitely going to bring that energy to that club. 
like with the best performers, the best space, the best equipment. And the thing that I like about it is that that club isn't just driven off of big names. Even though he has big names, it's driven off of he's created an environment for you to watch comedians struggle to fail to work out and he's made that place a place to be no matter who's on the marquee you know it's like this you want to have a good time you go to the mothership so i remember him first talking about what he was going to do to send like the first part of the construction to like it's here to hearing people talk about it and i'm i'm excited i had offers to work at other clubs there in mm-hmm. austin and I was like, you know, I do have a sense of loyalty to, to to Joe and to what his mission is. So I'm excited to come. And then we did those those runs. People saw me do 10 or 15 minutes. So to for me to be able to perform for the people that got intro, introduced to me from Stubbs to an extended set, I'm excited about that. Oh man, that was that was a riot. What some of the some of what you were doing at Stubbs, uh, all you guys. I mean, I think uh, Michelle Wolf performed that night. It was just a crazy lineup. Yeah. It was freezing ass cold too. I don't know if we'll ever sit in uh, such frigid temperatures, but it was worth it for the uh, the group that came out there that night, telling jokes, making people I'll laugh. I, I tell you the power of laughter. Like when we were doing the shows in the cornfield, and Ohio Ohio has an issue with rain. It rains a lot, right? Mm-hmm. And I remember one time we had a show, and this was like we probably had like. 500 people, you know, that were socially distanced um, that came to the show and it started raining. And I was like, oh, my God, everybody's going to leave. Man, one of the most amazing visuals I ever had was going on stage. Right. Um, And looking in the audience and nobody leaving their seat and it's pouring down raining. I mean, like ponchos like like this. I was like, ah, oh, man, this is something special. They did not move. I was like, this is incredible, man. And that just goes to show you the power of what we do as comedians and how we make people feel. No doubt and about that. Whether or whatever, you know? Well, yeah, when you consider how things rose up when they did like people were desperate for truth tellers to come out and to address issues in a way that may be offensive to some but there's always going to be somebody who's offended by something but could address things in a way that infuses a level of humor that in a way reunites us once again and so comedy is going through this this golden era right now right as a result of rogan and Chappelle and uh, so many great comics out there but with that comes a lot of people who are new to the art form there are those of us who have been attending comedy shows for decades now but for those newbies it's always good to remind them of some of the unwritten rules of attending a show at a comedy club uh for you as somebody who is up on stage what is uh something that you need to make sure people understand about coming to a comedy club and watching a show that you are going to a show, you're first off, you're attached to somebody's body work or personality. So of all the things that you know about, you have a certain, certain feel about certain things, but you want to hear what their take is, what their point of view is. That's what comedy is all about. You know what I mean? We're not here to give you answers, but it's like this. This guy's too soon. He's off the chain. I wonder what he thinks about this. The same way, like even on my social media, I used to do this uh, hashtag too soon with Donnell Rawlins. <laughs> and I would do jokes that people would be like, oh, is it too soon? 
And my answer to that is a joke can be too soon, but it never could be too soon for funny observation. It is like, what are you seeing opposed to what am I seeing? And guess what? If people didn't want to hear what my point of view was or whatever, they would sit in their house and just look, talk to themselves in the mirror and get all the answers. But they want to hear what the next person has to say about it. And even, and another thing about cancel culture, you got people like Rogan, you got people like Dave, right? And I kind of see myself going in direction. When your employee, employer is your fans that are loyal to you, that love you, that grew to love you, there's no way you can you can cancel that guy. And what cancel culture want to do, like I said earlier, they don't care about you saying sorry. They want to hit your pockets. They get excited. Oh, Walmart dropped him. <laughs> His agency just left him. <laughs> but when you when you can't do that and you can't stop somebody's paper, you as a cancel culture, you're you're powerless. How can you affect me when for one, me in particular, I don't create a lifestyle for myself from acting. I don't create a lifestyle for myself for getting guest roles and stuff. I don't create a lifestyle for myself of being a little cameo in a movie. I would be like, welcome to McDonald's. Can I take your order if I relied on that to support me? But what I rely on and thing that's been keeping me going and been able to create a lifestyle, for whatever you think it is, it's been that person that says, oh, man, he's going to be at the comedy club this weekend. I'm going to go see him. And those, at the end of the day, are the only people that I answer to. That's a great way to think about that. You're not, you are not beholden to a Hollywood studio. You are no. not beholden to bosses who are having a virtue signal to let everybody know that they know exactly how they're supposed to think about an issue, even if their actions speak to otherwise. Your bosses are the people who are buying tickets to your shows each and every weekend. And as long yeah, as they're still buying those tickets, you're, you're clearly doing something right. Right. And, you know, and uh, you know, um, I, I, I've learned to embrace that and I learned to love it. You know, I've never been one. I never chased the dollar in this business. I never wanted to be famous or any of this. The, when I first started this, and this might be something that some youngins could listen to or say, whatever, he's an old head. I only thing I wanted to do was be good. Hmm. That was my first thing to be good. And I realized if you become good at something and then you have some business sensibility then you'll figure out how to make money off of it. But I never looked at, never once did I look in the mirror when I was younger talking about, I ain't going to be rich and famous. All I want to do is be the funniest one out. And then our deck could turn into some coins. It's important to have confidence when you begin a process like that, but it takes reps to truly get good. Do you remember that moment where you uh, realized that you had gotten good at stand-up? Um, I don't really think I know a moment when I got, you know what? This is a very, that's a very good question because I've always been good. And I'm not saying in a cocky way, anybody that knows my history coming out of DC, they would tell you that it was something different about this guy. Hmm. You got certain talents that you just feel once they get on that platform, it's going to be over. I, I felt like I was always good in that moment of where I was at, at doing it for two weeks. I was good at six months. I was good at 10 years. I was good at 20 years. I was good. At 30 years, I was good. At 32 years, I was good. But last week, when I was taping my Netflix special, something special happened mm. where I felt that every word I was using wasn't wasted. 
you know, my timing, the way I, I uh, engaged the audience, I felt like to that moment, I felt like, oh, this is the different level. I had a different level of confidence. I had enough confidence that I didn't have to always use the pitch of my voice for a laugh. I could sit in the pocket. I felt my timing developing. I felt very boom, boom, boom. Like I told myself, you can get away with your voice. You can get away with your mannerism and everything. I said, but what about if your words are so nice that if this set was a transcript, people would laugh as hard reading it as actually seeing it or hearing it. And I, it was like, I'm telling you, after 32 years, it was in that moment, it was the last taping of my special. I said, oh man, you are really good at this in a, in a structured way, in a loose way, in everything. I just felt like that this one behind me, my storytelling is going to get better. You know what I'm saying? Like being able to put a set together because when I did this special, I shot a special two years ago that we shot during a pandemic in, in um, Charlotte, North Carolina. Dave was a producer. Um, I had a, a press day. We were talking about it. It was supposed to come out when Earthquake was doing his special. And two weeks before it was the announcement, Dave calls me and he says, Donnell, I want to shoot your special again. And I'm like, what the hell do you mean? Was it not funny? He's Donnell. I can put you in any room and you will rip the room. He said, but that does not make it a great special. Fascinating thought there from one of the best stand-up comedians of our time, Dave Chappelle. He is Donnell Rawlings. His new stand-up special is out today on Netflix. It's called A New Day, and it is well worth your time. Coming up, one more segment with Donnell here on Sports Day Plus on the other side. It's Sports Day Plus with Trey Ellie. It's Sports Day Plus with Trey Ellie. Back for one more segment with stand-up comedian Donnell Rawlings. His newest stand-up special is out as of today on Netflix. It is well worth your time. Highly recommend you check that out when you get home. Before we get back to that conversation, I did need to let you know about my friends at Pest Wranglers. Pest Wranglers, Pets Wranglers. That's right. They've been taking care of pest problems in and around Central Texas going all the way back to 2006. At that time, Steve, the owner and founder of Pest Wranglers, he established a motto, effective, reliable, affordable. A secondary motto is we love you, the customer. They have top-notch customer service at Pest Wranglers, which is why they have countless five-star rating reviews on Google, Yelp, and elsewhere. And now is the time to get out in front of mosquito season. That's right. It's right around the corner with the temperatures warming up. The mosquitoes will soon follow, and Pest Wranglers can help keep that at bay. They offer eco-friendly treatment that do not target bees or butterflies and is non-toxic to birds and mammals. That includes your dog sniffing around the backyard. It's effective for up to over a month and kills mosquitoes that commit that transmit all sorts of diseases. Works against insecticide-resistant mosquitoes too. Kills adults and prohibits larvae from maturing. It's fuel validated with a ton of scientific research. They also offer more of a conventional mistreatment for fast knockdown. It's good for up to 21 days and can work for things like outdoor parties, pool parties, things like that. No horrible odors from either 
treatment. It is wallet friendly too, 100 bucks in most cases per month. And as always, no contracts. Go to their website, pestwranglers.com for more info or to get yourself on the schedule. And now back to a final segment with stand-up comedian and actor Donnell Rawlings. His website, donnellrawlings.com. His newest stand-up special, A New Day, is available now on Netflix. Donnell, it's important to have confidence when you begin a process, but it takes reps to truly get good. Do you remember that moment where you uh, realized that you had gotten good at stand-up? I don't really think I know a moment when I got... You know what? This is a very very good question because I've always been good, and I'm not saying in a cocky way. Anybody that knows my history coming out of D.C., they would tell you that it was something different about this guy. Hmm. You got certain talents that you just feel... Once they get on that platform, it's going to be over. I, I felt like I was always good in that moment of where I was. At at doing it for two weeks, I was good. At six months, I was good. At 10 years, I was good. At 20 years, I was good. At 30 years, I was good. At 32 years, I was good. But last week, when I was taping my Netflix special, something special happened hmm. where I felt that every word I was using wasn't wasted. You know, my timing, the way I I, uh, engaged the audience, I felt like to that moment, I felt like, oh, this is the different level. I had a different level of confidence. I had enough confidence that I didn't have to always use the pitch of my voice for a laugh. I could sit in the pocket. I felt my timing developing. I felt very boom, boom. Boom. Like I told myself, you can get away with your voice. You can get away with your mannerism and everything. I said, but what about if your words are so nice that if this set was a transcript, people would laugh as hard reading it as actually seeing it or hearing it. And I, it was like, I'm telling you, after 32 years, it was in that moment. It was the last taping of my special. I said, oh, man, you are really good at this. In a, in a structured way, in a loose way, in everything. I just felt like that this one behind me, my storytelling is going to get better. You know what I'm saying? Like being able to put a set together. Because when I did this special, I shot a special two years ago that we shot during a pandemic in, in um, Charlotte, North Carolina. Dave was a producer. Um, I had uh, a press day. We were talking about it. It was supposed to come out when Earthquake was doing his special. And two weeks before it was the announcement, Dave calls me and he says, Donnell, I want to shoot your special again. And I'm like, what the hell do you mean? Was it not funny? He's, Donnell, I can put you in any room and you will rip the room. He said, but that does not make it a great special. It makes you a funny guy, hmm. but it'll make it a great special. And he said, I've seen you do these jokes better. He said, you did a lot of COVID-related jokes. That what you would have dated the special. We're trying to make a masterpiece. He said, out of everybody that I'm producing my special, and especially with the connection that I had with Chappelle's show, he said, it's out of that home team series. He said, mine is the most anticipated. And he said, we got to get it right. I went back to the drawing board. I accepted constructive criticism. I'm also talking to somebody who's got five specials. They'll probably go down in the history of comedy. And I was like, you know what? Maybe he knows something. 
Then another thing, I had already got paid, so I was like, "Late, let's do it again." <laughs> right. So, <laughs> but I'm glad that I could have went either way with that. I could have been like, "You don't know what you're talking about. Drop it." But I listened to him, and I told him it was important for me when we were going again. I was like, "Dave, listen to me. Every homework assignment you gave me, I took care of it. Hmm. Everything you said." You, he didn't tell me what jokes to tell or anything, but Donnell, we do this, do that, and then we have something special. And I think when we shot this a week ago, I really think I got something special in the can. I'm excited for people to see it on that platform. There's some jokes that you probably, as you know, as a touring comic, you got to practice somewhere. But what I'm excited about is that I got a platform that's a global, international platform. And, and that moment when it comes on, the world gets to see what I bring to the table. Hmm. Sounds like you had an out-of-body experience in the middle of the last taping for this special. Like you were I did. Outside I did. of yourself, realizing uh, that, you, that you had transcended, you almost had reached a level of mastery with stand-up comedy in that moment. Man, I, there's this song that I've really been connected with. It's Nina Simone's song, um, And I'm Feeling Good. Oh, yeah. It's a new dawn. It's a new day. It's a new life for me. And I'm feeling good. I felt like a, a a a caterpillar coming out of the cocoon. I felt like this is where I started and this is where I'm right now. And now it's just time to just blossom and just soar, bro. 32 years and I still have the same passion and I still care about this the way I did the first time I ever grabbed the microphone. That's refreshing to hear. There are two, uh, Dave Chappelle is obviously one of the great ones. There's other two other great ones that are behind you right now. Beautiful paintings, Albert Einstein and Bob Marley. What do you, uh, what do you dig about Einstein? I, th- I think about Einstein is that he thought outside the box, very thought outside the box. And he was like, I don't know, you don't get to that level of genius without some people consider you being a weirdo. Right. But every picture you see of him, you feel like you see something in his eyes like right now, while you're looking at this photo, I am thinking of something that's going to change the world. Hmm. You know, And I think um, Marley, he felt he had that same genes, but he's like, how do I bring the world together? And that's through my music. How do I tell people it's one love? How do I tell people respect certain things, certain people? And also, what about just living life just to the fullest and being appreciative of the smallest things? So that's why um, I got both of those. And then it was like buy one, get one free too. So <laughs> Obviously, Marley has so many songs that people know well, but he's got plenty of other songs that aren't as popular that are still awesome too. Like my favorite Bob Marley song is uh, not a chart topper necessarily, but then Belly Full and We Hungry is where it begins and ends for me with Bob Marley. What's your favorite uh, underrated Bob Marley song? Um, I don't know about one. It's because maybe I'm a I'm a victim of all knowing like all the hits or whatever. But two little birdies was sitting at my doorstep. Yeah. Don't worry <laughs> about, about a thing, because every little thing is gonna be all right. And I'm gonna tell you, I have friends that have been going that at points of their lives going through some very trying times, right? Mm. And I did not know how to communicate or try to make them feel better. And I would always sing them that song, right? That song. This is my message to you. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, so yep, that's and oh man, you about to make me go put a split up in the air, man, and get some jerk chicken. <laughs> if we were uh <laughs> if we were in person, I would uh, I would light one of those up with you right now. All right, last question, Donnell, because yeah. uh, I love Dave Chappelle. Maybe, maybe or maybe not maybe. Best comedian of our lifetime. But he's even more important as a humanitarian than he is a comedian, in my opinion. Uh, for you as somebody who has obviously established himself as uh, as also a hilarious comedian uh, up there in terms of the ranks of uh, comedians in modern times, if there's something that you'd like to be known for other than making people laugh, what would that be? Being the best father I could be to my son and making sure I did everything to give him a fair shake in life and I did every everything to create everlasting memories. You know what I'm saying? You cannot know anything about my legacy as a comic or actor. The most important thing is like, how was we, how was he a dad and how was he in his son's life? That's more important because if I instill the right things in him, that can continue generation after generation after generation. After a while, people ain't gonna be listening to my comedy. But what I instill in him, that could go on and make him a better person and make him great and make people around him great. Is Donnell Rawlings. The website is donnellrawlings.com. You can catch a lot of different things there, including a link to his podcast on YouTube, The Donnell Rawlings Show. Even though a bunch of his stand-up specials are there, his most recent stand-up special, it's out today on Netflix. It's called A New Day. You can only watch that on Netflix, and I highly recommend you do so. Donnell, again, my apologies for how late I was. No, I told you I wasn't going to accept your apology, but you did have a good conversation. Let's just stick it right there, all right? But I want to say it's a new dawn. It's a new day. It's a new life for me and I'm feeling good. Right, another show is in the books. Quick programming note before I bid you adieu. Tomorrow is a Wednesday, which means I'm spending a couple of segments with Justin Wells of Inside Texas. That is it for today's show, though. Thank you so much for tuning in. Have a great rest of the night. Talk to you tomorrow at 6. In the meantime, hook them. It's Sports Day Plus with Trey Ellie.